Hi, and welcome to the GMC Sunday podcast, where our team from GMC, Gillespie Memorial Church in Dunfermline, Scotland, bring you our weekly message from the Lord. In this podcast, we bring you a series in the prophet Hosea, Power of the Redeeming Love of God. Hosea's story, his life and his prophetic word to Israel is about its, Israel's, promiscuity. In other words, their idolatry and going after other gods. This book does not leave the reader to guess about who God is, but instead introduces his uniqueness and sovereignty, a message much needed in the church today. Ultimately, the message of Hosea is one of divine compassion and a love that will not let God's people go. May these words from Hosea be a blessing to you today. But now, before the word from God, we will lead you in a time of prayer. Father, Sovereign, Almighty One, we come. We gather as children of the living God. As we come before the throne of God this morning, are we coming in peace? Are we coming with hearts prepared to worship, to bring honour and glory to God, our Maker? Do we come acknowledging our poverty of spirit? Perhaps we come mourning in grief. Is our sense of being here one of meekness of our hearts? Or have you come with a hunger, a thirst for righteousness of the Lord? Do you want today what God has for you? Have we come with mercy, forgiveness in our hearts? What about the desire for holiness, for purity in our hearts? Have you come with that? Or is there something for which you should be seeking peace? For as we come before the throne of grace this morning, we may be able to say yes to a few of those things or maybe none of them. But Lord, I pray we come with contrite hearts ready to receive from you today. For Lord God Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, the world is full of your glory. Let do we see it. For in this life we are subject to so many miseries and enduring we become insensitive to our sin. Grant, Lord God, that we might learn to search ourselves and consider our sins, that we might be humbled before you and accept before us the blame of our evils in order that we may genuinely be led to a spirit of repentance. And so strive to be reconciled reconciled to you, our Father, through Jesus Christ. I pray that we all would be wholly dependent upon your fatherly love, aspiring to fullness of eternal joy. Through your goodness and immeasurable kindness, which is spoken of in your word, offered to all who, with sincere hearts, worship you, call upon you, would flee to you through Christ our Lord. So Lord, in our hearts this day, we come to worship you, our glorious King of heaven. In our hearts today, we call upon your presence. 
come in power of the Holy Spirit this morning, right now, into this service. Come, Holy Spirit, into our hearts, into our minds, and captivate us each and everyone for the Lord today. Convict us of our sin. Convict us that in fleeing our sin, we come only to the Lord Jesus, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. So we flee to you today, God. We flee from our terrors and our troubles, our griefs, and our reliance upon ourselves. And we wholly come to you, our great and mighty God, and we fall at the throne of grace, repentant sinners. We accept the forgiveness of the saving blood of the Lamb. We accept the saving grace of the cross. And we accept the saving life to come through the resurrection. Empower us this day by the risen Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit to be the children of God you call us to be. And Lord, any who are resisting you here today, Lord, invite them in. Convict hearts, change hearts, and bring all under your rule and reign through Son of God, Jesus Christ, Redeemer, Servant, and King. Amen. Following our prayer, I hope this has prepared your heart to receive deeply from God's Word, wherever you are today and however you are feeling. Please know that God's word is powerful with the ability to change your life. So listen in to the reading and the exposition from our preacher today. If anything in the readings or the message from the preacher challenges you, raises questions in your heart and your mind, or maybe you just want to know more about Christian faith and getting to know the Lord Jesus, we would love to hear from you. So get in touch via our website or through the office. Details are in our show notes. If you'd like to support GMC financially in our ministry for the kingdom, then offering details can be found on the homepage of our website, gillespiechurch.org. Now, over to our preacher. I better switch on. It's great to get the applause after, before. It's great. <laughs> It's a comforting feeling. Thank you. And good morning, obviously. As you'll no, no doubt be aware by now, um, Hosea is not the easiest message to hear. But despite the challenge and harsh words, it's not without its hope. Fortunately, Mike left us with an inkling of that hope last week, and I will hopefully build on that today. We need to be clear in the outset that the harsh words used in Mike's passage at the beginning of chapter 2 were directed at the people of Israel. It was not a husband to wife as such. The harshness of this judgment is because Israel, which over, uh, is at, at Israel, which over many years had broken its vows, its promises, its covenant with God. The covenant which was given to Moses in Exodus 19, 
when he rescued them from the Egyptians. However, by Hosea's time, they had well and truly forgotten all of this. And they'd forgotten everything that God had done for them. And as we saw last week, God was not best pleased. Like a spurned husband, he feels the pain of that unfaithful rejection. And he would have been within his rights to walk away, to finalize the divorce and remove himself from his bride. However, God chooses not to do that. His choice is to approach things in a different way. And that's where we catch up on our reading this morning in Hosea chapter 2. Although part of last week's reading, I'm going to start my reading from verse 14. I know it had said it was going to be verse 16, but verse 14, and I'll read through to the end of chapter 3. Therefore, I'm now going to allure her. I will lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. There, I will give her back her vineyards and will make the valley of Achor a door of hope. There, she will respond and as as in the day of her, her youth, as in the, dry, in the day she came out of Egypt. In that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband, and, I will no longer, and you will no longer call me my master. I will remove the names of the Baals from her lips. No longer will the names be invoked. In that day, I will make a covenant for them with the beasts of the field, the birds in the sky, and the creatures that move along the ground. Bow and sword and battle will abolish from, I will abolish from the land so that all may lie down in safety. I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you in righteousness and justice, in love and compassion. I will betroth you in faithfulness and you will acknowledge the Lord. In that day I will respond, declares the Lord. I will respond to the skies and they will respond to the earth. And the earth will respond to the grain, the new wine, and the olive oil, and they will respond to Jezreel. I will plant her for myself in the land. I will show my love to the one I called not my, love, not my loved one. I will say to those called not my people, you are my people. And they will say, you are my God. The Lord, uh, the Lord said to me, Go, show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and, and about a homer and a lethic of barley. Then I told her, you are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man, and I will behave the same way towards you. For the Israelites will live many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred stones, without ephod or household gods. Afterwards, the Israelites will return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. They will come trembling to the Lord and to his blessings in the last days. Amen. May God bless this, his word to us and the message he has for us today. It's quite a long passage.
Therefore, I am now going to allure her. I will lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. There I will give her back her vineyards. If we compare this to the beginning of chapter 2, from the second part of verse 3, I will make her like a desert, turn her into a parched land, and slay her with thirst. The New Living Translation uh, describes it as, I, I, I will leave her to die of thirst, as in a dry and barren wilderness. I will make her like a desert, turn her into a parched land. These are the actions born out of anger, retribution, judgment. However, I'm going to allure her. I will lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. That doesn't sound like the words of an angry person. That sounds like someone who cares, loves even, someone who wants to keep a relationship alive, someone who can forgive, perhaps. The first thing this shows us is more of the character of God. It tells us quite how much He loves His people and desires to keep in relationship with them and how far He will go to keep them close. And that is the core of this passage from verses 16 to 23. And we see a process towards restoration for Israel. While the verses in chapter 3 show that that illustrated in Hosea's own relationship with Gomer. And we'll come to that. The first part of chapter 2, God's indictment of Israel and the consequences for her unfaithfulness, is a prediction of their exile and destitution. And as we know, as we've been told, that was realized when the Assyrians invaded and ransacked the land of Israel, forcing the Israelites to scatter in the desert with nothing. And while God allowed that to happen, and while their scattering would take generations to work through, He wouldn't let them go completely. And as today's passage illustrates, God maintains that restoration process to maintain the hope for that relationship and eventually restore the people of God back to Him. And like in so many of the Old Testament prophets, Hosea's prophecy is directing the Israelites towards Jesus. This is the hope of this message. Granted, the coming of Jesus was some 700 years away from this time, and even then, his coming was the start of that restoration process. But I'd like to, this morning, kind of look at what that path to future restoration looks like from this passage, and perhaps we can learn and perhaps be guided, maybe challenged or encouraged, in our understanding of our relationship with God. So from, from last week, when we looked at verse 14, we saw that even with a loving hand, 
rather than a vengeful hand, there was going to be a time in the wilderness. This is a consequence of unfaithfulness, a time of emptiness, but importantly, not isolation. I will lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. And then following that kind of rebirth, a rekindling of a relationship as a focus returns back to God and his provision for the people. There I will give her back her vineyards and they will make the valley of Achor a door of hope. And she will respond as in the way of her days of her youth, as in the day she came out of Egypt. As Israel is reminded of God's rescue of them from Egypt. Again, the New Living Translation puts it like this. She will give herself to me there, as she did long ago when she was young, when I freed her from her captivity in Egypt. At that time, the Israelites were in no doubt who God was and his love for them, his provision for them. They were were grateful to him. More than that, they were wholly dependent on him. They stayed close to him and were obedient for the most part. But then they'd forgotten it all. When Moses returned from Mount Sinai with the covenant promises through the Ten Commandments and God took them to the promised land, they very quickly either forgot their part of the covenant or they ignored it. And they enjoyed the fruits of their new land, but gave thanks to themselves or in worship to the Baal gods. Their lives didn't include God. They prospered with all the gifts of the land given to them, but didn't recognize God's part in their bounty. How often do we do that? When things are going well, it's easy to ride the wave, to ignore God's part in it and think it's because of us and it'll always be this good. But it's when things are going well that we meet, need to be most connected because that's when, it's when things are going well that the enemy will notice and pounce just as the Assyrians did. I was reading an article about online scams this week and in particular romance scams now, the author who's written, who's written a book, um, I think it's called um, No, Keanu Reeves is Not in Love with You, I think. But the author made the point that anyone can be drawn into a scam. Romance scam victims are not just those middle-aged lonely women. They can be anyone. But she described the almost arrogance of people who would never get scammed themselves. So it was, it was so well described. I actually thought it mirrored our sense, potentially, of superiority, our pride in ourselves when things are going so well. She said, I find it interesting and frustrating in equal measure when people have the notion that they are too clever to be a victim of fraud. I hear it all the time. Well, be careful. Your overconfidence is one of the ways that fraudsters are able to reach you. Thinking you're above such things makes you less vigilant 
And as you are forget, forging ahead in your daily cleverness, you have forgotten everything that you are too clever to think about. An additional downside is that when you are, you are then defrauded, you will be less likely to report it as you will be suffering from unimaginable shame. I love that you're too busy being clever. You've forgotten everything that you're too clever to think about. Pride breeds complacency. Pride comes before a fall. And there's nothing as embarrassing as a fall. Here in Hosea's prophecy, despite the disastrous consequences of their fall, from the shadow of their shame, God is promising to return the Israelites to their proper place of gratitude, of obedience and desire. To do this, he needed to strip away all the external distractions from, the pe- from his people so that their focus would be on him alone. A sort of back-to-basics solution. We often find it ourselves when we get ourselves out of control in certain areas, be it too much excitement, too much rich food, too many Christmas excesses. We often just want to stop, go into kind of detox, take the time to press the reset button on our lives and get our focus back. It's that return, that repentance that God is looking for from the Israelites. And to encourage that refocus, he has a plan for them which directs us towards Jesus. And there are three stages to that plan. There's a new relationship, which is verse 16, a new covenant from verse 18, and new provision, verses 21 to 23. Verse 16 says, in that day, there's an ongoing theme about in that day, in that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband and I will no longer, and will no longer be, uh, call me my master. This is a new relationship. Not one of master and servant, but one of husband and wife. The church is often referred to as the bride of Christ. That is the marriage that Hosea is pointing to. The marriage relationship should be the strongest relationship. In Genesis, it says... That's why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Two become, become one flesh. There's no need for external idols as the union has all that, it, that is needed. But with the power created in marriage, unfortunately, the frailties of such a relationship means any breakdown becomes all the more distressing. As we see in the description in Hosea, the consequences of that unfaithfulness. But in this new relationship, we have that extra wedded strength. Verses 18 to 20 gives us a new covenant and promise from God. In that day, he says, I will make a covenant for them with the beasts of the field and the birds in the sky and the creatures that move along the ground, bow and sword and 
and battle will I will abolish from the land so that they may lie down in safety. The promise of peace and safety for all living things. Life in just and faithful eternity. In love and in compassion. It's a wonderful picture of eternity. He uses the term betrothed in in verses 19, 19 and 20. I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you in righteousness and justice and in love and compassion. I will betroth you in faithfulness. Again, the marital vows are used to convey the importance, the solidity of this promise. Finally, in verses 21 to 23, in that day I will respond, declares the Lord. I will respond to the skies and they will respond to the earth and the earth will respond to the grain and the new wine, the olive oil, and they will respond to Jezreel. I will plant her for myself in the land. Provision from the sky, from the earth, God is in control of it all and will provide the fruit of the land. He will not hold back in his generosity. And his generosity and his promises go beyond the Israelites to those who were previously unloved and discarded, even to the Gentiles. I will show my love to the one I called not my loved one. I will say to those called not my people, you are my people. And they will say, you are my God. All those who were previously rejected will be welcomed in. God's abundant love has room for them all. His compassion for all his creation and his faithfulness to us fuels this outpouring of grace and offers hope to all of us. Hosea's own relationship with his wife, described in chapter 3, is is a mirror of God's approach to his marriage relationship with, with, with the Israelites. He's told not just to take Gomer back, but to actively go out and seek her out, to continue to love her despite her unfaithfulness, just as God still loves his people despite their unfaithfulness. He is to pay her debts, to buy her out of sexual slavery. Even though the others, others, to others she would seem worthless and ungrateful, just as many would have considered the Israelites unworthy. He's called to, to pay a debt just as Jesus did for us. He was called to continue to provide for her and to show love and compassion and forgiveness and grace. We're not told any more about Gomer, but we can hope that given time to focus solely on Hosea and her marriage to him, that her life would turn around. And I think that considering that outcome, hoping for it even, 
can be one of the lessons, one of our lessons or, or, or hopes that we can take from this part of Hosea's prophecy. During his ministry, the Israelites had forgotten about their relationship to God. They had forgotten his promises to them and the covenant that they held with him. They were God's people, but they didn't know him anymore. They were no longer in relationship with him. So much so that they laid the responsibility and gratitude for all the good things they had on other gods. They worshipped other gods. If we forget all that God has done for us, if our attention is on ourselves or on other gods, then we'll lose focus on what is really important. Like a marriage, the relationship will die without focus and communication. We need to keep God known in our lives. We need to keep recognizing him in each circumstance and keep at that attitude of gratitude, thanking him in all situations. Relationships, whether marriages or not, break down without communication, without each party getting to know the other, spending time with each other, getting the basics in place. When Vivian and I were first married, I think we argued a lot more than we do now. As we were still trying to get to know one another at the time. Now we argue much less. We do. Now, is it because we now realize that I'm usually right? <laughs> well, yes, probably, but also, I can say that because she's not here today, <laughs> but also because we know each other better. We know more about what is important to the other or what's not important. There's a growing unity in belief and purpose. We trust each other more because we know that at the heart of that relationship, there's love. This passage gives us hope. And you better enjoy it because you really have to search for the hope in Hosea. We have hope in a God who loves us and is faithful to us and who gives us a route to restoration through the life, death, and resurrection of his son, despite our failings and our capacity to be unfaithful regularly. But with that hope comes a reality check. And we need to keep that knowledge at the front of our minds so that he remains the focus of our praise. And our covenant with God stays as true as it can. Let's pray. Father God, creator of all things, thank you for your love for us. Father, God, ruler of all, thank you for your grace and your mercy to us when we fail to keep our promises.
Father, we pray that you might continue to keep us close, to help us in our challenges and our joys and our failures, that we might bring glory back to you through and in the name of your Son, Jesus our Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sunday Worship Podcast from the team at GMC Dunfermline. Again, if you'd like more details about who we are, what we believe and how we serve, then visit our website at gillespiechurch.org or find us on Facebook or look back at some of our videos on our YouTube channel. Just search Gillespie Memorial Church. All inquiries can be made through the Contact Us page on our website. Again, details are in the show notes. If you'd like to support our work with a financial donation, then offerings can be made by clicking the Support Us with Stewardship icon on the homepage of the website. If you liked what you heard, then please share this podcast with friends and family and colleagues. Share the Word of God. This has been a production of GMC, including the pastors and the tech team. All copyright remains with the producers. Today's episode was edited by Barbara Ann Howey, And the soundtrack is, above all, by Lenny LeBlanc and Paul Beloche, performed by Gordon Eastop and Mike Weaver. Thanks for listening, and God bless.